On this episode of Inside Boxing Live, we are joined by Corey Urban for a great breakdown of Better BF versus Smith. Three light heavyweight titles on the line, closer to an undisputed fight at light heavyweight. I don't see how this could be a bad fight. We'll also talk about what we saw last weekend. Edgar Belanga, Jaime Munguia. I was at the Hall of Fame. I have some thoughts on it. Let's go. What is up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of Inside Boxing Live presented by John Boy Media. I am your host, Dan Canobio. We're gearing up for yet another big main event in the boxing world. It has been a phenomenal year for the sport. And this weekend, we get a fight that I have been yearning for for years. I went back and looked at some of my tweets. I've been hoping and praying that we get Arthur Bedebriev versus Joe Smith since about 2019. Uh, when it was first that uh, Joe Smith was gearing up for a, a title run at, at light heavyweight. Obviously, Joe Smith has had so many hiccups along the way, uh, whether it's COVID, testing positive for COVID, whether it's his opponents testing positive for COVID or falling out of fights. Uh, same thing with Better BF. Uh, you know, COVID obviously did a, a number on uh, Canada in, in terms of training, in terms of getting fights. That's where Better BF is based out of it in Montreal. But we are getting this fight Saturday night, Madison Square Garden, going to be a brawl, uh, going to be a great fight. We're going to get figure out who is number two at light heavyweight, uh, because in my opinion, at least, I think Dimitri Bivol is the best light heavyweight in boxing right now. He just beat Canelo Alvarez. He's undefeated. Um, and I think this right here between Better Brave and Smith can figure out uh, who is number two, because the winner of this fight is going to have a lion's share of the belts and potentially be one step closer uh, to an undisputed fight at 175. We're getting undisputed fights all over boxing in almost all the weight classes, or we're getting closer and closer so we can knock off one more weight class to get one face, one name, one champion, not to quote uh, Deontay Wilder. But that is the case uh, this weekend over at Madison Square Garden. It's the only big card in town. Uh, we're coming off of weekends where we have you know dueling cards, sometimes three or four at the same time. So it's nice to see a fight of this stature get you know, all the attention. Uh, and it's going to be on ESPN, too, which I think is a great thing. A lot of eyeballs uh, on that fight. So Corey Urban and I will break it down. He has been on the call for Better BF's last two uh, fights. He's a great broadcaster, does a lot of work for DAZN, does some work for ESPN+, Plus. Uh, has a great uh, column every Monday on boxing scene. And he's a friend of mine. And then he has COVID, too, and he, and he still did the show. So uh, shout out to Corey. We're going to get to that conversation in uh, just a little bit. Uh, this past weekend... We saw some action. Wasn't the busiest of weekends. A little bit of a, uh, a snooze. A little bit of we would be able to catch our breath. Still boxing, though. Uh, I think last weekend was all about the Hall of Fame. I was there. I'll have more on that in a bit. But in the ring, we saw Edgar Belanga pick up a win over uh, Angulo. Um, he bit him. He headbutted him. He did not look good, Edgar Belanga. Uh, more of the same. You know, he is no longer a prospect. And I wouldn't say he's a contender. So he's somewhere in the middle. And you don't want to be in the middle when you're in, in, in boxing. It's a dangerous place to be because it's coming to the point where they're either going to serve him up a uh, big time step up or they're just going to continue to find the Angulos of the world, the Steve Rolls uh, of the world for Belanga to fight and figure it out. But we're going on, what is it, four straight decision wins for him? You know, I thought he won the fight, but barely. 
you know, the scorecards, throw them out the window. They were atrocious. Uh, close fight. Could have been a draw. Berlanga could have lost. Could have been, I would have been, I obviously am fine with Berlanga, you know, winning a, a close decision. The power department, uh, power landed was close. I actually think Angulo had the edge in power landed. But it's just, I, I watched the fight at a bar at the uh, Hall of Fame with a lot of boxing people. You know, Andre Rozier, who I just learned was obviously not the trainer anymore of Berlanga, was sitting right next to us watching the fight. That was an interesting wrinkle. You know, Lou DiBella walking back and forth, screaming out, the guy's a fraud. The guy's a fraud, you know, especially when he bit him, too. And there's a lot of boxing fans, too, uh, at the bar. It was kind of cool to watch a fight with all the guys that you usually interact with on Twitter. You know, Adam Abramowitz was there and, you know, Aris Pino is there and Boxrec Gray. It felt like we we're all part of like a community of like watching a fight live. And, you know, Berlanga didn't look great. So I don't know what's next for him. He's talking, talking about a fight with Jesse Hart. Um, you know, Steven Nelson. I haven't seen him fought in a while. He was coming off an injury. He's with a top rank. You know, I threw out Danny Jacobs. I understand both are managed by Keith Connolly. I understand they both train in the same gym. But Danny Jacobs versus Edgar Berlanga is an interesting fight. It's a big New York fight. You put that at Madison Square Garden. Uh, Danny Jacobs as we saw in that, in that John Ryder fight, doesn't have a lot left in the tank, but it is still dangerous. It could be a winnable fight for Belonga. If Belonga is able to knock out Jacobs or able to win, that's a big name for him. Do I think that, that Jacobs, Jacobs can stop Belonga? Probably not. So a lot can come of that fight. I don't think it will happen um, because of the managerial stuff and the fact that they train together. And I just don't think Belonga is going to take a risk like that yet. My guess is like a Jesse Hart type of fight. Um, obviously, too, another thing, I'm burying the lead here. He just got suspended uh, because of the bite um, and the headbutt. He got suspended, they're saying about six months. So that brings us to about December. I don't think Prolongo was going to fight anytime uh, within the, the next six months. So maybe they were going to bring him back in December. Maybe they wait, bring him back in, in, in January. Uh, he's getting fined and he's getting suspended. When you bite your opponent, he said that it was his Mike Tyson moment, which is just a ridiculous thing to say. First of all, you should be disqualified on the spot. Uh, New York, uh, the ref missed it. It was a bad night for referees in, in New York. Ron Lipton, what were you doing uh, with the Josue Vargas fight, letting that fight go on? But yeah, uh, you should see that bite. You know, you should be able to use the replay and see that and disqualified on the spot. But, you know, he was obviously frustrated. You bite someone when you're embarrassed. You bite someone when you're frustrated. Sold out uh, Mass uh, Theater at the Garden, uh, Puerto Rican Day Parade weekend. They went in there looking to see a Belonga knockout, and we get another decision. So interesting uh, with Edgar Belonga. I was up at the Hall of Fame, like I just said, watching that fight, uh, there to see the three classes. I was there in particular to see my friend Lou DiBella get into the hall. Awesome weekend with the three classes, with Floyd being there, uh, Bernard Hopkins, Andre Ward, Miguel Cotto, Juan Manuel Marquez, um, James Tony, Holly Holm, Layla Ali, Christy Martin, uh, obviously Ludabella, Kathy Duva. I'll probably leave so many out. Bill Kaplan. It was an awesome, awesome weekend seeing the dais up there, being at the banquet. Uh, the speeches were excellent. You've probably seen the coverage. And if you haven't been up to Canasota, if you haven't been able to check it out, you have to go. It's very much like Cooperstown, where it's like a small, sleepy little town that comes alive uh, when it's time for the Hall of Fame weekend. And obviously, they didn't have Hall of Fame weekend in 2020 or 2021. And that hurts that, that town. That town thrives off this. It's big for their local economy. And when they show out, it's impressive. You know, they have this on, on Sunday morning before the induction 
or in the ceremony, they have a, a, a parade where the fighters are like on the top of Corvettes and they're on the top of, of, of these cars and thousands come out. It's incredible. It's an awesome weekend. You can rub shoulders with people in the boxing world at the bar watching this fight. You had, you know, Leonard Ellerby, who I who uh, we buried the hatchet. Me and Leonard are cool. <laughs> Took a picture, posted on Twitter. You know, walking around, talking to fans. Floyd Mayweather walking around, talking to fans. You know, it's not just Hall of Famers too. Like Antonio Tarver was there. Uh, you know, there was uh, De La Hoya showed up. So it was a it was a really fun weekend. I uh, hadn't been out there in a while. I made the drive with my dad. Uh, so it's just fun. It, it's, it's a great, great time every year. Next year will be another big ballot uh, to get some more uh, fighters in there. But just to see everyone up on that stage who I grew up watching, uh, who fought in the 90s when I, you know, became like, obviously I've always been a boxing fan, born into the sport. But just seeing everyone up on that stage that I just watched, that made me love the sport. You know, guys like Roy Jones, Miguel Cotto. I'm, I probably went to all 10 of Miguel Cotto's fights at Madison Square Garden. Obviously, Roy Jones was the heart and soul of HBO. Uh, I'm rocking the shirt uh, right now. Marquez with his fights with Pacquiao and his wars with Barrera. Uh, you know, the women's fighters getting their, their due. You know, Layla Ali, Christy Martin, Holly Holm, as we're seeing what's going on uh, with women's boxing today. It, it was just like that time where we're seeing it in like, I'm a big baseball fan. And we're seeing it with baseball when guys like Ken Griffey Jr. get into the hall and Derek Jeter, uh, you know, guys of the 90s, which is my sweet spot um, as a sports fan. It was cool to see. And it was like, I felt like big. It felt like a big weekend. And, and it was. That was probably the main takeaway uh, from this weekend uh, was the Hall of Fame. Uh, let's get over to DraftKings. Obviously, Major League Baseball is in full swing. I'm a big Yankee fan. The Yankees look unbeatable right now. But we have partnered with DraftKings, the official sports betting partner of Major League Baseball. New customers can bet just $5 on any team to win, and you get $150 in free bets no matter what, win or lose. Sounds pretty damn good to me. If you're looking to turn a small bet into a big bet, you use parlays. DraftKings is the king of same-game parlays. I have one up on the app, and you can do just that. Create your own parlay, combining multiple bets, like which team will win, uh, how many bases will be sold in total runs and more if you're shot at a bigger payout. Go ahead and download the DraftKings Sportsbook app right now. Use promo code IBL, Inside Boxing Live, IBL. You can bet just $5 and you get $150 free bets. No matter what happens on the field, that's promo code IBL at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official betting partner of Major League Baseball. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions apply. See show notes for details. MLB trademarks used with permission uh the betting lines for this fight are interesting we're going to talk about them with Corey. as of right now on DraftKings, joseph joe smith jr is a plus 500 underdog and that is tempting we know he's a big puncher joe smith uh he's become a better boxer we know that better bf has been down twice in his career early on in rounds better bf is a slow starter doesn't take some about three four rounds to warm up will joe smith pounce and go for the knockout Early on in the fight, better be of 37 years old, huge gash over his eye in his last fight. Isn't really showing signs of slippage, but does take a lot of shots. The over under is eight and a half. Over eight and a half rounds is minus 115. Under eight and a half is minus 105. That just shows you how close uh, this fight is uh, between or how close they think it will go. I'm taking a look at some of these fight props too. Fight to end within rounds one through six. 
Where is it? Fight to be won in rounds one through three, plus 800. But that is intriguing to me. Better BF to win in rounds one through six, plus 250. So if you think that Better BF is going to steamroll Joe Smith and get him out of there in the sixth round, you can get that for plus, plus money. If you think Better BF is going to win in rounds seven through 12, which I think is the consensus right now, that's minus 105. That's pretty decent value for a, a guy in Better BF that uh, most are picking to win and most are picking him to win late because both guys take a, a little time to warm up. Uh, then when they get cracking, they get cracking. I don't think it's going to uh, go the distance. I think there's going to be a knockout. I'm leading towards better BF. Um, as much as I love Joe Smith, being from Long Island, grew up in the same town, basically. Uh, he means a lot to the east end of Long Island. He's a great, great fighter. Uh, it's going to be a war. It's going to be a great fight, a light heavyweight. Cannot wait for that one. Uh, with that, let's throw it over to our conversation with Corey Erdman. Our guest is here. He is Corey Erdman, world traveler, broadcaster, writer, pickleball player, uh, Detroit <laughs> Tiger lover, Notre Dame football lover. I think I nailed it all. Vegan, um, just a great guy and a great broadcaster. And we're going to break down a big fight in light heavyweight division. Corey, how are you, my friend? Got you missed also uh, COVID-19 positive, which is uh, why I'm here in my bedroom doing this. Uh, I have about 30 minutes of energy per day, and I've decided that I want to donate it to you, Dan, and to the to the great viewers of Inside Boxing Live. Wow, that really means a lot. And uh, I love that you're coming from the bed. I mean, uh, yeah, it's getting everyone uh, who people who haven't gotten it uh, are it's coming around for them. So everyone out there, uh, be safe. And, and Corey, appreciate you uh, giving us some of that time. But yeah, man, you were in Australia for the Cambosos fight. Obviously, we're going to do a lot of better BF Smith talk, but for, just can you lay out your, your travel itinerary? You went from Australia to call Cambosos Haney, which was probably amazing. And then I'm pretty sure you went from there to Guadalajara for the, the zone uh, card, the main event. And then there was an in a way Donaire fight mix in there too. So maybe that's why you're laid up in bed right now. <laughs> yeah. You think uh, calling uh, three ring magazine title fights in three continents in five days might've contributed to uh, my vulnerability to COVID-19. Maybe. Maybe I, I, I could see that. Yeah. So what was it like being in Australia? Uh, that scene w w was crazy. And, uh, you know, you're with our buddy, uh, Justin Shackle, calling it for the international feed with, with the Bella. I mean, that looked like a spectacle. The fight, obviously, uh, not so much, but just the buildup and big time boxing being back in Australia must have been something, a great thing to witness. Yeah, it was. And it's a very unique atmosphere because I'd never been in like an Australian football stadium before which feels a lot different because even though the stadium, you know, might be smaller than obviously like a cowboy stadium or something like that, it feels bigger because the audience is so much farther from the playing surface. So it's like you look out and you just see this gigantic, um, you know, array of seats around you and it just felt overwhelmingly big in there. Uh, and so it was it definitely a unique atmosphere to be in um, the crowd took a little while to come alive, uh, especially when you were down by the ring. Mm -hmm. I, I feel like you're so far removed from the majority of the audience that at times you kind of had to look around to, to see how big the, the spectacle actually was. But um, yeah, it was, it was really special. It, it was really unique. Uh, obviously they didn't get the result they wanted. So I don't think that we got the, um, the fullest extent of what that atmosphere could have been, but uh, maybe in the rematch, we'll see. Do you think there will be a rematch? Do you think there will be a, another fight in Australia? Will Cambosos exercise that? I, I think so. I, I think that 
um, provided that Haney decides to stay at, at 135, which I mm-hmm. guess isn't fully decided. And I, I don't have any special information uh, one way or the other. But uh, I think that Cambosis, uh, he's obligated to that rematch if he wants to enact it, again, provided that Haney can stay in the division. Uh, and there's a lot of money to be made there. And Cambosis is the type of person uh, with the level of self-belief that I think that, you know, even, even if you think that there isn't a path to Cambosis winning a rematch based on what you saw in that first fight, he certainly believes there is. And if he can do another one of those, probably not in a stadium again, although yeah. who knows, but a very big arena, I, I think that Cambosis goes for it. Yeah, there are ways that they can finagle something. I don't, yeah, you're right. It's not a stadium fight. Um, not when it was a 10 to 2 type of fight, 9 to 3, at least how I had it. But that's what's going on in the lightweight division. Let's talk about the light heavyweight division. Huge fight uh, this weekend. I love that there's not many other fights going on this weekend. So we can just strictly hone in on what I believe is the battle for three belts, the battle for who is number two in the division. I think Bivol has entrenched himself as, as the best light heavyweight in the world after that win. Over Canelo, Arthur Beterbiev, Joe Smith. Uh, you called Arthur Beterbiev's last fight. I'm going to talk about him first. And I thought in that fight, we saw pretty much what he's been over the course of his career. A little bit of a slow starter. You know, throws about 30 punches around in rounds one through three or one through four, then progressively steps it up. And then he gets his guy out of there. Perfect record. He's 17-0 with 17 knockouts. But a new wrinkle in this fight was the cut that opened up and the blood that poured out of it and the urgency we saw from Better Biev. I came away from that fight saying this it might, pop, might be the, the most dangerous, scariest fighter in boxing. What were your takeaways from Better Biev's, uh, you know, last fight being there calling it? Yeah, I mean, I, I think I've, I've called uh, Better Biev's last two fights. I called okay. the, the Adam Dynas uh, fight for ESPN as well. And after the Dynas fight, it, it's interesting because after – after that dynasty fight where he took a little while to get a guy that he was expected to just blast out in the first round, he took a little while to get him out of there. I felt like better be a stock dropped a little bit. And that's when people started talking about, Oh, well, this is the guy that Canelo can pick off if he wants mm-hmm. to become a uh, lineal champion at 175 as well. And then to your point, Dan, I think after the Marcus Brown fight, every, the everyone's esteem towards uh, better be starts going up again, because you know, that's a, at that time, top five, top six light heavyweight may still be uh, in Marcus Brown battling through the cut. And you mentioned the urgency. I think that viewers could sense that, you know, they didn't know where the scorecards were at at that point, but Brown had some pretty good early rounds, you know, rounds one through three were pretty good for Brown and better be of just seeing him flip that switch and making that decision that he needed to go out and stop Brown um, that really, I think, resonated with a lot of people in the audience. You know, you saw a guy that has the capability of turning it on and overwhelming anyone in that division. And that's the skill that Better BF has. You know, he is about as good a mauler or swarmer as there is in the sport. And he's a power puncher. And when you put those two things together, it makes him really dangerous because he only needs about three inches on the inside to hurt you with one of those power shots. Yeah. He doesn't need space necessarily in the way that Joe Smith does. And we'll get into kind of where his power comes from, mm-hmm. but better Biev is a mauler with a lot of nuance and he is a handful to deal with. And so far uh, no one's been able to deal with it. That's amazing. That was a good summary of, 
his offensive style because he does a lot of good. He does a lot of things good in there. Like he can jab if he has to. He has a pretty decent jab, you know, throws it, you know, close to 30 uh, jabs around, which is a pretty good rate. And the power on the inside, you know, an underrated body puncher on, on the inside. I obviously know about uh, the, the power punches. You know what's interesting to me? It's only two fights he's had since the Vodzik win in 2019. 37 years old. You know, we've seen this talked about you know will a, will a fighter become old overnight you know the cuts are you know that we haven't seen him cut like that in the fight I, I don't necessarily see that in this fight but he's a guy that I wish we saw more of you know uh you know 37 years old who knows how much longer he has only two fights since 2019 a fighter that I feel like uh you know boxing fans are just now getting to see because especially after this if he's in a bigger fight but also at the somewhat end of, of his career do you believe uh, agree with that uh, synopsis yeah, yeah. At 37, I mean, just logically, you only have a handful of years left, you know, for, for most fighters. And the way that Better Be fights as well, um, you don't really forecast, you know, a Bernard Hopkins career extending into, into your 50s uh, for a guy like Better Be It's just, it, it doesn't seem realistic. Um, and that makes it interesting, too, because, you know, like, let's say Better Be has a, a couple more fights left in his career when it comes time for us to vote on him in the hall of fame, what do we do? You know, his, his career only lasted, but so long. And it'll be interesting kind of how he's remembered because of, of that kind of truncated run um, that he'll ultimately have. That's a conversation for down the road, but um, yeah, I, I didn't, I don't think I've seen physical signs of decline, at least not um, appreciably quite yet. Again, I think people were suggesting that after the Dynas fight, but, we also have to remember the length of the layoff that was leading into that fight. It was in the early stages of the pandemic when, right. uh, especially for Better Biev in Quebec, training was very difficult for fighters uh, in Canada. Um, so there were other factors outside of just pure age that probably had something to do with how he looked on that night. Yeah, I think when we look back at this pandemic era of boxing, the early pandemic, like the bubble days, I mean, it is hard to gauge these fighters because of the strict uh, you know, the restrictions, they weren't able to train properly, the cutting of weight. I mean, that whole time, when we look back on that, as, as far removed as we get from it, we're going to really, that was a strange era of boxing. Guys went out there and fought maybe once a year and they weren't at their best. So that's an interesting way to look at it too. But when, in terms of looking at this fight, you know, I'm, I'm looking at ways of, you know, from both sides, like how can Smith win this fight? You know, Joe Smith, how can he exploit some of the, the small weaknesses that better BF has. And it's, it's how better BF is a slow starter. I talked about this 30 punches thrown around and rounds one through four. Then it's like, boom, he steps on the gas and then he's up to his normal 64, 65. The two times that he was dropped in his career came early on in the fight. If Smith, I know that they are, they are very smart, his team. I mean, they know this information. It's out there. If you just watch the fights, Smith, if he could pounce early, then I think better be a, he does take time to warm up. I think that'd be, be Smith's, I wouldn't say best path to win, but it would be a very good game plan to try to get better be out of there early on. I, yeah, I totally agree with that. I think that if better be has shown himself to be uh, a slow starter and, and also, you know, early for Joe Smith, I, I think that it's not just early in the fight. I think it's early in rounds and it's when the fighters come out of breaks. Like generally, I think that, Joe Smith needs to, to, to use your term, pounce on better BF when he has the time and the space. Because I, I, I remember there was a video 
Um, I'm not going to remember from where. I, I wish I could attribute it, but it was it was someone interviewing Dmitry Bivol after Vodzik Beterbiev, mm -hmm. and they were asking him, you know, it was what did the fight go the way that you thought it would? You know, both these guys pretty well, and he said, as soon as the fight got to the inside, I knew that Beterbiev was going to win because I in and these were Bivol's words, Dmitry Bivol's words. If you fight Beterbiev on the inside you are not going to win. It's impossible to beat him in there. I think were his words, right? That's right. coming from Dimitri people. So when, when Joe Smith is in there, I think it's, he's going to have a lot of problems, but better be of can be hit. And those opportunities I think are going to present him when there is space and when are you going to have space Well, when the referee breaks you up right. beginning of rounds um, times like that. So I think that Joe, I, he's going to have those opportunities. They, they might not be that often, but when he has them, and he's shown that he will do this. I think that he needs to swing for the fences. Um, and he does that. You know, Joe throws all of his counter shots hard. He throws almost everything hard. Mm -hmm. um, and, and that, I think, is, is his best chance in this fight. And, and, and it's a decent chance as well. Yeah. Uh, just the thought of B-Ballers be better be a boof. That just got me re really excited. And I yeah. think going back to what we said, like, you know, 37 years old, better be of um, – from here on out, I can only see him in, in big fights. He's in that stage of his career. Uh, I feel like this is like a semifinal. Um, this is the second semifinal at 175 after Canelo and, and B-Ball. B-Ball came out victorious. Obviously, the winner of this should be able to unify the division if everything, you know, politics withstanding. But, damn, B-Ball versus Better Biev would be interesting. But Joe Smith has a, has a chance in this fight. Let's talk about Joe Smith. His resume to me is like everything that is right with boxing. It, 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 a lot of things went right, you know, having a smaller promoter that's not aligned with a network who's able to work with other uh, promoters and platforms. We're talking about a guy, Joe Smith, that's fought on ESPN, that's fought uh, on a part of the PBC. He's been on HBO. He's fought uh, Funfara, obviously the fight that put him on the map, Bernard Hawkins, Dimitri Bivol, Sullivan Barrera, Jesse Hart, Alita Alvarez. Maxim Vlazov. Um, that is impressive. Uh, in an era where we don't see the best fight the best or we don't see guys put up a, a resume like that. Very impressive. I don't know if that's going to help him in the fight uh, on Saturday night. But one thing about Joe Smith over the years is we've seen him in with very tough opponents and he's made huge improvements from uh, the B-ball fight. Yeah, and we've seen kind of an adaptation in Joe Smith's game as well. Um, you know, I, I wrote about Joe Smith after the the Steve Giffard fight, mm -hmm. um, and I think I even consulted with you about his his punch stats. Yeah, and kind of, there's here. been yeah, there's been a significant change in Joe Smith. Part of it might be stylistic, but part of it in in speaking with Joe Smith has been conscious as well. After that Dimitri Bivol fight, he clearly made a decision that I need to throw more punches. And Joe went from basically, you know, kind of a, like a low numbers power puncher, a guy who was really picking his shots and waiting for those moments to a guy who was trying to create those moments on his own with a little mm -hmm. more volume. Um, and that is also why there's the possibility for this fight to be special and to be really memorable. I'm, I, I'm stopping short of saying this is like, this is going to be fight of the year because I think that fights of the year usually are drawn out a little bit more. I think, Dan, that this fight could look more like a car crash than, than a, <laughs> more like a car wreck than a street fight, yeah. right? And it's street fights that tend to win fight of the year, but this might be the, the most enjoyable fight of the year because of that, because of, these are two power punchers who, once they start ramping it up, once they start get warm, warmed up a little bit more after those opening rounds also turn into volume punchers. Yeah. So that's, that's a particularly uh, explosive combination that we have in this fight.
Yeah, the, the B-ball fight for, for Smith, obviously, he landed 38 punches, Corey uh, Smith, in the 12 rounds. He threw right. 33 punches around, and you're right. I went and, and back and, and found it. Versus Jesse Hart, he landed. He threw 50 punches around. Versus Alito Alvarez, he threw 57 punches around. Versus Vlazov, he threw 74 punches around. Versus Jafard, he threw 74 again. So that is a clear progression and a change in game plan. I want to throw more punches. And what we're seeing from Smith is obviously we know he has that power. Uh, but he is now throwing the jab more. And it's not really a jab that he's trying to land every time. It's like a range finder, which I think will come in handy in this fight against better BF if he wants to, to not be on the inside with a guy that is probably one of the best inside uh, fighters. But we've seen a change in, in Joe Smith going from, hey, I'm not just like a, a, a brute that just throws power shots. Like, I can box. And kudos to him. You know, he started late boxing. And to change your entire, uh, you know, offensive uh, style that late in your career at the most elite level, you know, that's something that, sh that should be applauded and we'll see if it works. But the idea of him, you know, getting revving up that engine and getting into the sixties and, and 70 punches thrown, same thing with better be up. If this fight can go past four rounds is when we start to enter that special uh, territory that you were just talking about. Maybe it is the fight of the year, or maybe it is just a, a, a rock'em sock'em brawl. But I think Smith, is going to go into this fight and try to box a little more uh, and show everyone that he is not just a, a brawler. He's a guy that can throw 40 jabs around and obviously have that power behind it. But, you know, the jab, I think it's going to be important. It's something you don't really assimilate with Joe Smith it, it is a jab, but he goes in there. And the reason he throws, you know, 60, 70 punches around, because I would say, you know, 30 of them are, are this pawing jab. And now it's going to be an important punch uh, in, in this fight on Saturday. Yeah, I agree. And, and Joe Smith has a, a very heavy jab as well. One, I guess, mistake he'll sometimes make with it is that he'll kind of throw it a little bit too close to his opponent mm -hmm. and he can get countered. Uh, better BF can sometimes do that a little bit too. Uh, I, I don't know if you remember before Joe Smith's last fight, Tim Bradley did a little technical breakdown on, on Joe Smith and he pointed out how he tends to have this kind of like gather step before yeah. he throws his big uh, looping right hand. Um, that'll be something that better BF can look at. But you're right, I think that if, if Joe could start doubling that jab a little bit more, it can make life a lot harder on better BF. And, and, you know, I want to point something out too. Like it's not, it, it's not a coincidence that Joe Smith has had these improvements at this stage in his career as he's made more money and frankly has been able to take more time away from his other career. Right. We all, you know, we like to post these memes about Joe in the, in the construction outfit and whatnot. Oh, I love posting those. Right. It's great. I and will never stop posting those either. Nor, nor should you, you know, it's what <laughs> makes Joe Smith lovable. But the reality is that when Joe Smith started his career, his manager made the determination that like, Hey, if you can join this union, number one, you'll have health benefits that will help you if this boxing thing doesn't work out, but also you're going to have a built-in fan base yeah. We'll buy tickets so that we can maneuver you up, you know, throughout your career. Mm -hmm. That also means that Joe has had a second career through this time. But now that Joe's making more money, he can spend a little bit more money with the family business and the tree removal where, you know, I, I don't know that he's clocking in every single day the way that he was before. What does that mean? Well, you have more time in the gym yeah. so you can improve as a fighter. Like these things aren't a coincidence. Um, so as Joe has become more successful, I'm sure he's had more time to work on his game and he's improved dramatically as a fighter as a result. Yeah. Um, I don't know if you watched the blood, sweat and tears special on uh, top rank put together. They, they showed, they, they pretty much spoke on that. It's like, yes, you, he joined that laborers union 
And it was a way for him just to make money early on when he was fighting on those star boxing cards and, you know, I'm making a ton of money and, you know, f- to be able to go from that into one-on-one time with, with his trainer and make some more money. And that's what we're seeing. Two humble guys, really. Um, I did not know. I got to just say that, you know, plead my ignorance here. I did not know that better BF spoke very good English. I did not know that he was such a jokester. I, I, anyone that hasn't watched it, it's on the top ranked YouTube page, blood, sweat, and tears. It was uh, produced by our friend, George Jakovic. It was a really, really good uh, special. And it showed that these two guys are, are very much the common man. I know that's Joe Smith's nickname. And it's the same thing for better BF. He's like a no frills guy family man jokester he comes off as this like intimidating figure it's like oh man i wouldn't want to go near this guy but you probably know this you know for, from covering the guy he, he's just a, a fun loving guy and this is a really going to be a really good fight uh between two common men it's, that's what it is battling it out for the three belts i mean this goes in line with the great year that we're having in, in boxing i can't wait for this one and uh i'm gonna make you make a pick Corey. Oh uh, my god! I hate making picks. Oh, <laughs> well, okay, all right. I'm, I'm not calling. So how do you see? You don't have to make a pick, and you're not calling the fight. But yeah, like, to me, yeah. I think Better Beav is just too smart. I think he's too powerful. Still, he's still more. Cl- he's still at his prime, or still somewhat in it. I think it's going to be a real uphill battle for, for Joe. Obviously, being a Long Islander, um, I'm pulling for Joe. I, I honestly have no dog in, in in the fight here. I just want to see a really good fight. Uh, but it's going to be tough for, for Smith. Yeah, I'm I'm still picking better Biev. I think that like the percentage chance of him winning is a lot higher. I do foresee some scary moments for better Biev though. Like I, I think that, you know, he kind of invites contact a little bit too much to not be bothered by at least one of Joe Smith's shots. You know, Joe Smith is just too heavy handed that even if he's touching you on the guard, you know, you're, you're going to feel it. And, and so I think that better be of, again, puts himself in the spaces to be hit because that's how his offense works as well. So I'm going to predict some scary moments for better be that he works through and ultimately wins this fight. That's, that's going to be my pick over under eight rounds, eight and a half. Rounds. Oh, oh God. Uh, I'm going to say over, I, I'm going to, I think that this might get drawn out a little bit. Yeah, I went to ring uh, the ring site website and they had, they had 20 expert picks. 19 of them were for better BF. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, and understandably so I think that what it just like a six to one underdog or something yeah. like that. If I'm betting on this fight plus 600 for Smith or plus 500. Yeah. Right if now. I'm betting on this fight, I, I don't think that there would be any way to go other than Joe Smith. Yeah. Yeah. It's buff. Yeah. I mean, there's no value really on, on better BF, but yeah. I think it was Sergio Mora was the only guy that picked uh, Joe Smith to win. He also, Sergio, picked, all right. he also Go picked Roly it. Romero to win. So our, our friend Sergio, he he's the best, but uh, he likes to make <laughs> these underdog picks. All right, Corey, uh, just go ahead and just lay down uh, in the, in the bed, get better because we want to see you calling more fights. We want to see, we want to hang out and call some Broadway boxing. Appreciate it, man. This was fun. Uh, hopefully we see a big fight on, on Saturday. I don't see how it, it can't be a, a really good one. Corey Erdman, COVID survivor and a great guy. See, see you next time. Thanks so much, man. Next time I'll be able to talk to you from my living room. I'll get out of here. <laughs>